Matthew 6, and we will begin by reading verses 9 through 15. Matthew 6, verses 9 through 15. I'm reading out of the HCSB. This is our Messiah speaking, the Son of Yahweh. He says, Therefore you should pray like this, Our Father in heaven, your name be honored as holy. Your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not bring us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. For if you forgive people their wrongdoing, your heavenly Father will forgive you as well. But if you don't forgive people, your Father will not forgive your wrongdoing. Father, bless this lesson. The tongue that speaks it and the ears of those that hear it. Today I would like to get back into the Lord's Prayer. We took a little break from the Lord's Prayer when I got to the will of Yahweh being done. And sometimes that happens. I get to a certain portion and something jumps out at me. And we talked about sickness, disease, healing, the will of Yahweh. I spent about a month going over that. And then we took a couple of lessons to go over some aspects of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, which we just finished uh, just a few weeks ago. But I want to make sure that we get through this entire prayer as I continue my study in the Sermon on the Mount. Because this is the prayer that our Master taught us how to pray. So all the books in the world could be written about how to pray, but it all boils down to one simple prayer that our Messiah taught us to pray. And I believe He meant pray like this. So we've gotten up to the part where He talks about give us this day our daily bread. Just by way of review a little bit, the first part of this prayer is focused on Yahweh. Hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. So His name, His kingdom, and His will. Yahweh comes first, and when we pray, we shouldn't just immediately go into asking Him for things. A lot of times that's how it ends up. We use prayer as simply a petition to Yahweh. How does it make you feel when somebody only calls or texts you when they want something? Well, we feel used. And I'm sure Yahweh feels used by many people because many people only talk to Yahweh when they want or need something or if they're in a pinch or in a bind. That's not how children should be towards their Heavenly Father. It's like He's up there thinking, what do they appreciate me or not? Do they think I'm just some kind of gumball machine that they can drop a quarter in and get a piece of gum out when they need something? We've got to honor Yahweh first in our prayers and only then should we go into praying for our needs. Now, the second half of this prayer is about our needs. It focuses on physical needs, forgiveness of sin, and spiritual victories. Today we're going to talk about physical needs and the forgiveness of sins. And I hope to get into the spiritual victories that we are to pray for next week. But then the prayer ends by giving glory to Yahweh. For yours is the kingdom, yours is the power, yours is the glory. So Yahweh is focused at the beginning and Yahweh at the end. And our needs are sandwiched in the middle in one little line that says, Give us this day our daily bread. If our needs come first or come last, they are out of order. Yahweh gets first glory and He gets last glory. We get that line in the middle. Give us this day our daily bread. 
He is concerned with us and He loves us as His children, but not to the point that it's all about us. I would say this, that as believers, which this prayer is a prayer that is for believers to pray, and as believers, this prayer teaches us is that when we make all of life all about Him, then He makes us a priority. So what is our daily bread? Give us this day our daily bread. Well, first off, we don't have to get real deep. It's just that. It's bread. Bread is the staple of life. It has been for ages. People have been eating and surviving on bread for thousands of years. There's nothing like smelling a fresh loaf of bread being baked in the oven and putting some butter on it while the bread is still hot. It's delicious. It's wonderful. When Yahweh fed the Israelites from heaven, He fed them with bread from heaven. Exodus 16. Bread is also said to be able to strengthen a man's heart in Psalm 104. And it does that with the B vitamins that is in the good natural bread. But bread goes beyond bread or food to cover all of our daily needs. When we pray, give us this day our daily bread, bread being the staple of life covers all our food and all our physical necessities, all our material needs, food, clothing, housing, what we all need on a daily basis. Remember, this is asking for what we need, not what we want. Don't get the two confused. So long as our needs are met by Yahweh, He's blessed us abundantly. Sometimes He gives us what we want, but He's not obligated to do that. He does obligate Himself to supply our needs if we serve Him. If we think about it, we all have way more than we need. All have way more than we need. We eat more food than we need to. We have more clothes than we need. We drive fancier cars than we need. We're really pretty spoiled human beings. This prayer was for somebody who woke up each morning and wondered what they would need or eat or wear or how they would make money that day because it had to be supplied that day. I remember my dad told me a story one time where he went on a missions trip to Haiti. And as he walked up to the village and he said, Son, unless you were there, you can't really understand what I'm saying. You have to go through it or see it to be able to realize what I'm saying. But he said, This is poorer than poor. He said, You've never seen anybody this poor. Um, They live as their primary house in something that we might build for a sukkah for the Feast of Tabernacles. And he said that he had some oranges and they handed out these oranges to these little Haitian children. And the children grabbed the orange and they wouldn't eat it. They would hold it under their arm or hold it close to them and they would sleep with it at night and wouldn't eat the orange because they knew if they ate it, it would be gone. And we buy a bag of oranges and sometimes take them home and some of them rot and we throw them away and we don't think anything about it. Some things that are trivial to us are priceless to other people. We should be thankful for all that we have and not complain. Isn't Yahweh great to provide us with so many things? My son-in-law, Josiah, he jokes with me about the first time he had heard me pray and bless Yahweh for the food. Not bless the food. The food's already blessed if it's clean. 
but we bless Yahweh for the food, right? Deuteronomy 8 says that. But he said he laughed and he still mentions it to me sometimes because he heard me bless Yahweh and I thank Yahweh for all the different tastes. Thank you, Yahweh, for the different tastes and the different textures that you give us in our food. So many different flavors. Sometimes when I'm feeding my dogs, I think they're eating the same food every day. And so I slip them a little something from time to time. Yeshua says even the dogs eat from the crumbs that fall from the Master's table. Matthew 15. So many flavors, so many textures, so many spices. Sometimes if I eat food that doesn't have any flavor, I look at the children and I say, where are the spices? Where are the flavors? (laughs) What a blessing it is to eat a fine meal. We should never forget to bless Yahweh when we've eaten in our full, according to Deuteronomy chapter 8. Yahweh provides us with so many things. You know, our bodies are important. I'm talking about our physical flesh and bone and blood bodies. They're important. Yahweh cares about our bodies. It is error to only focus on the spiritual to the neglect of the natural. It's just as much of an error to only focus on the natural to the neglect of the spiritual. And a lot of people do that in this day and age. But it is error to only say the spirit man is important and to neglect the fleshly body. We won't be in this body forever. I know that. We won't be on this earth forever. But we're called to take care of both our body and this earth while we live here. This is where Yahweh has put us. So we shouldn't put trash into or on our body and we shouldn't trash up the earth. Yahweh feeds us because He wants us to live a good, healthy life. We shouldn't starve ourselves. and We shouldn't gorge ourselves. Yahweh doesn't want us to sit around and be lazy and never exercise and never do anything good for our natural bodies. But He also doesn't want us preoccupied with our bodies to the point of neglecting the spiritual person. Paul wrote to Timothy that bodily exercise profits little in comparison to exercising our spiritual muscles. So there has to be a balance. Daily bread also reminds us to take life one day at a time. Yeshua says, sufficient unto this day is the evil thereof. Take no thought for tomorrow, for the morrow will take thought of itself. I'm not saying we can't plan for the future and store up like the ant, but I am saying that we lose focus if we constantly worry about tomorrow and forget to live in today. Today is now. You'll never live in this day again. Live your life one day at a time, just like you only take one step at a time. When I was a teenage young man, I played basketball and I was at a special meeting and my pastor was Brother Franklin Walden and he called me up on the stage and I got nervous because I didn't know what he was going to do. Everybody got nervous when Brother Walden called on them. And he said, stand beside me. And he said, you're pretty good athletic at sports, aren't you? And I said, well, I guess I am. I think I was 16. He said, take two steps at one time. I stood there and I thought about it. I looked at him and he smiled. (laughs) He said, you can't do it, can you? And his message was, just take one step at a time. That's That's all we can do. That's all that Yahweh requires of us. Live life one day at a time. Take time to smell the roses. Take time to love your wife. Take time to tell your children you appreciate them. Mm -hmm. Take time to call your friends. Take time to smile at the cashier. Live life one day at a time. 
Give us this day our daily bread. Teach us to live life one day at a time. Don't get such in a hurry that you forget today. Make the most of today. Before we move on, I want to talk about a spiritual use of bread in Scripture that we don't want to forget. I had already started putting this in my sermon notes, and then Brother Jerry basically preached this part of my sermon last week. And he gave that great message on eating from Yahweh's book every day. Bread is used as a symbol for the Word of Yahweh in Scripture. So give us this day our daily bread can also be understood as we need to be feasting upon Yahweh daily. Most people know Deuteronomy 8 verse 3. It says, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of Yahweh. That's a good verse, but most people don't know this Scripture as well. You can turn with me if you'd like to Proverbs. I want to read this one. Proverbs 9. Proverbs 9, 1 through 6. The author says, Wisdom has built her house. She has carved out her seven pillars. She has prepared her meat. She has mixed her wine. She also has set her table. She has sent out her servants. She calls out from the highest points of the city. Whoever is inexperienced, enter here. To the one who lacks sense, she says, Come and eat my bread. And drink the wine I have mixed. Leave inexperience behind and you will live. Pursue the way of understanding. Look at verses 10 through 11. The fear of Yahweh is the beginning of wisdom. And the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. For by wisdom your days will be many and years will be added to your life. This is talking about the word of Yahweh. We have it so graciously given to us by our Creator in the form of a bound book now. Believers haven't always had that, but we have the privilege of not having to memorize all of it, but being able to pick it up and read it. I have so many Bibles in my house. Come to me, wisdom says. We need to feed upon the spiritual food just as much as we feed upon the natural food. People come to me and say, Brother Matthew, I don't feel spiritual. And I respond by saying it's probably because you haven't been doing anything spiritual. That's why you don't feel spiritual. It's just like if you don't eat and you say, I'm weak or I have a headache. I ask, when's the last time you've eaten? Have you drunk enough water? There's something you can do to remedy the problem. In my life, when I seek Yahweh daily and diligently, I always find strength and wisdom. But when I don't do that, I don't find any strength and wisdom. And it's like that with any relationship. The more time that you put into knowing somebody and serving somebody, the closer you get to that somebody. Tisha and I have been together now dating and marriage for 25 years. And we know each other because we've spent a lot of time with each other and put a lot of effort into our relationship. Well, our relationship with the Heavenly Father must be cultivated or else we will feel estranged and stagnation will take place. When you don't eat natural food for a day or more, your body slows down, your voice gets weak, and you get tired. Anybody that's done any fasting knows that that's the truth. Transfer that over to the spiritual. When you go a day or days without feasting on the Word, whether in reading Scripture, meditating on the Torah, discussing the Torah, singing the Psalms, you get weak 
spiritually. Your spiritual voice gets weak. Your spiritual man gets tired. Your spiritual woman gets tired. This holy convocation today is meant to fill you up. This is like coming into the gas station when you're empty and filling back up again so that although you may have come in weary, you're full again. We've sang songs corporately. We've read the Torah. We've prayed the Lord's Prayer. We've quoted the Shema. We've heard the Word taught. And you leave, if you receive it, you leave feeling like your gas tank is on F instead of on E. But this is when the big feasting takes place. You should not wait until the Sabbath to feast upon the Word of Yahweh. It's a daily thing, not a weekly or monthly thing. The set-apart times should be seen as a major feast, but on the work days you are still to eat spiritual meals. Even on the working days, according to the Torah in Numbers 28 and 29, even on the working days, the priests were in the temple offering sacrifices every morning and then every afternoon to Yahweh. And We should feast on Yahweh every day. If we don't eat this bread, it will not nourish us. It's there. The prophet Amos talks about a famine. Yahweh speaks through him and says that there's a famine in the land, not of bread, not of water, but of hearing the Word of Yahweh. It's not that the Word of Yahweh is not there. It's not that the Word of Yahweh is not available. It's that people do not take the time to listen to the Word of Yahweh and to obey the Word of Yahweh. It's just like you could bake a fresh loaf of bread, set it on the counter, and never eat it. What good does it do? Don't do that. Spend time each day in prayer, even if it's just the Lord's Prayer. Pray it when you wake up in the morning. Pray it when you go to bed in the evening. Say the Shema in the morning. Say the Shema in the evening. Sing a song to Yahweh while you drive down the road. Have a discussion with somebody about a Bible topic. Call up a brother or sister and talk about the Scripture. Discuss the Word. Send a good spiritual encouragement of a text to somebody. Read the Scriptures. Listen to the Scriptures. On audio, we have the ability to do that. Listen to a past sermon from our congregation. We've got hundreds of sermons where you can listen to teachings, not just from me, but from Brother Jerry and Brother TJ. Do something every day to eat from the Word of Yahweh and you will grow stronger and stronger in Yahweh. But if you don't, you won't. The next line in this prayer speaks of asking forgiveness for our debts. He said, Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. So forgive us of our debts. That's just as much a daily thing as the daily bread, the daily needs and necessities. Just as much. The Gospel of Luke, where Yeshua talks about this prayer, the Gospel of Luke records this as, and forgive us our sins. It's the same thing. Debts, sins, some versions of the Lord's Prayer say trespasses. It's the same thing. It's asking Yahweh to forgive us of our transgressions of the law. The word debts describe how that when a person sins against Yahweh, we are morally indebted to Him. So debt is not just a financial word where we could be financially indebted to something, but we could be morally indebted to somebody as well. And every time we violate the law of Yahweh, we're doing something that is forbidden, the commandments of Yahweh, every time we violate them. Now, over my years of being a believer, we're talking now about the forgiveness of sins, the confession of sins. Over my years of being a believer, which has been all my life, I have heard a ton of prayers a ton in church. One thing that has lacked 
is the sense of indebtedness and unworthiness before the Father. I've heard a lot of I'm thankful for's. I've heard a lot of prayers asking the Almighty, do something for me, do something for somebody else. But the sense of our sinfulness and asking Yahweh to forgive us of our sins, that has been in the background. And sometimes I've heard prayers and that's not even there. Now, it is okay to be thankful to Yahweh in our prayers. and It is okay to ask Yahweh for things. But it is not okay to pray without confessing our sin and asking Yahweh to forgive us. Yahweh is holy. Set apart. He's in another realm. He not only does not sin, He does not have the ability to sin. He's incapable of sinning. One time Yahweh let a man see his back and it was so glorious that the man's face glowed after seeing Yahweh's back. Yahweh does not have to love us. He chooses to be rich in love. Yahweh doesn't have to forgive us. He chooses to be compassionate and gracious. He knows who we are. He knows everything about you. All the intricate things. All the things that you don't want anybody knowing about you. Yahweh knows all of them. And yet He still loves you. If we come to Him broken and contrite, He receives us. If we don't, He doesn't. If we come to Him with a boastful and arrogant attitude and treat Him like a butler or a gumball machine, we break fellowship and relationship with the Creator. But if we come to Him bowing down, broken in heart and in spirit and contrite, humble, with a sense of indebtedness and a sense of humility and unworthiness, He receives us. I always tell people we should be open, completely open with Yahweh when we pray because He already knows everything about you. So just lay it all out there. We should treat Yahweh, it would be like if we went before this great king of the kingdom and we knew that at any moment the king had the ability to chop off our head if he didn't want us to be in the throne room. How would we come in there? What's up, king? What's going on, man? Holla. holla. <laughs> no, we wouldn't treat a king like that. We would come in lowly, fearful. So many preachers I grew up hearing said that fear didn't mean fear. It just meant reverence and awe and when I look up the Hebrew and Greek words for fear, you know what it means? It means to fear. It means to be afraid. Now, it's not a fear as though Yahweh is scary or something like that, like some kind of evil thing in that sense, like a monster when we were kids. But it's we fear Him in the sense that we know that He has the ability to destroy us at the snap of His fingers. So we come before Him with all lowliness and humility. He's the great King above all the earth. And when we pray to Him, we must realize we're indebted to Him due to our sinfulness. And we must ask Him to forgive us. And we must confess our sins. We must say the same thing about our sin that Yahweh says about our sin. You know the areas you struggle in. You know the areas you need help in. When you pray, it should be a daily practice to confess those sins, each of them specifically to Yahweh. And let him know, listen, I know this is where my problem and my hang-up is, Yahweh. I need help. Please, Father, please help me. 
No matter how advanced you get in this Bible, no matter how advanced you get in the law of Yahweh, in this life, you still need to ask Yahweh for forgiveness. Now that's not an excuse or a justification for sinning. It's just a reality. Sometimes when I preach like this, people ask me, said, Brother Matthew, it sounds like you're giving people an excuse to sin. My response is, nobody needs an excuse to sin. Everybody sins just fine without an excuse. It's just a reality. If you're honest, you have problems. If you're honest, you're not perfect in the law of Yahweh. You need to ask Yahweh to forgive you for your sins each and every day. There may be some areas in the law that you have down pat. There are some sins that I don't struggle with. There are commandments that I don't have any problem keeping. But there are also commandments that I still have trouble with. And that still rub me the wrong way. And I have to ask Yahweh to forgive me for that. If we are told to pray, forgive us of our debts or forgive us of our sins, then that must mean there's some sin within us, whether we realize it or not, whether we want to admit it or not. It's not that Yahweh's people are licentious, meaning using grace as a license to sin or not caring about the commandments. It's just we recognize that we mess up daily. So we must ask daily, not just for bread, but for forgiveness. If you read the first two chapters of First John, not the Gospel of John, but Little John, as my preacher used to call it. First John. There's two things that are true about a believer. One is, they don't say, I have no sin. Because if they do, they deceive themselves and the truth's not in them. But if you go to chapter 2, they also are keepers of the commandments. They don't just say they know Yahweh, but they keep His commandments. So there's a balance there. We don't live a licentious life, but at the same time we recognize we're not yet grown to the level that we ought to be. And none of us will be until the resurrection. So we pray, give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us of our sins. When you become a believer, you don't stop being a human being. Now it doesn't zap you where you don't have feelings anymore or problems anymore. You don't lose your fleshly nature. When you become a believer, you receive a down payment or a portion of Yahweh's Spirit, Yahweh's breath that lives inside of you. And so therefore, you have the ability now to make good decisions and to do righteousness and to overcome sin. When the lust of the flesh comes upon us and we're a believer, we can activate that portion of Yahweh that lives within us. And we can overcome sin in that instance. So the Spirit of Yahweh that lives within us leads us to holiness. And I believe that we can reach greater and greater levels of holiness. But none of you or me or anybody will be as holy as Yahweh. Thus we should always confess our sins to Him and ask for His forgiveness. If we do not ask, He will not forgive. If we don't say the same thing about our sin that He does and confess our sin... He will not forgive us of our sin. But if we ask Him for forgiveness, He will forgive us. Let me say this as well. This is a little hard, but it's true. If we ask Him with forgiveness with our mouth, but we make no effort to change our life, He will not forgive us of our sins. Because that's just lip service. If we ask forgiveness with our mouth and make no effort to change our life, He won't forgive us.
Now, let me show this to you. In our human relationships, we all have human relationships, spousal relationships, friendships, family. We know each other is going to fail from time to time, right? Anybody that you're friends with or married to, you know you're going to have failings from time to time. Sometimes we get in a rut of failing and we fail a lot. And we make a bunch of mistakes in a row, one after another. But what is it that we want to see in our human relationships? Effort. We want to see effort. We want to see a desire to serve. As a husband and wife, Tisha and I are not perfect. But each of us make the effort to serve the other. And when we fail, we ask for forgiveness. And it will be there because love never fails. But if we don't make the effort, if we stop making an effort and we don't confess our failings to each other, the relationship will suffer and it could even end. Where there is no effort, there is no love. Now we understand that in human relationships. A lot of times we don't understand that's exactly how it works with Yahweh. You will not walk in the joy of salvation if you get in a rut of failing and not making any effort to please the Father. Just saying you want forgiveness does not mean you really want to be forgiven. If there's no effort, it probably means that you want to keep on sinning more than you want to serve Yahweh. In that case, either one, you may not really be a believer, or two, you might be in a state of broken relationship or fellowship with Yahweh and you need a kick in the pants. And this sermon is that kick in the pants. Get right with Yahweh before it's too late. We don't know when our last breath is going to be. I've done seen that happen so many times. We think we're invincible and the younger we are, the more invincible we think that we are. All of us is going to die one time or another. And nothing else will matter except our service to the Creator. Get right with Yahweh before it's too late. Make an effort to please Him in all that you do. And He will forgive you of your sins. I want to touch on one more thing in this lesson that's connected to forgive us our debts. Because He doesn't just say forgive us our debts. He says to pray as we forgive our debtors or as we forgive those who sin against us. Now the understanding here is that our own forgiveness from Yahweh is based upon how we forgive other people of their sins against us. In other words, if someone does us wrong and then turns to us or comes to us later and asks for forgiveness, if we harbor bitterness and unforgiveness in our heart, Yahweh will not forgive us of our sins if we go to Him while we're holding on to that harboring of bitterness in our heart towards our neighbor. Really, Brother Matthew? Matthew 6. We just read it a moment ago. Let's read it again for sake of emphasis. Matthew 6, 14-15. At the end of this prayer, this is what Yeshua says. For if you forgive people their wrongdoing, your heavenly Father will forgive you as well. But if you don't forgive people, your Father will not forgive your wrongdoing. Now we can jump through hoops. We can try to explain that away. We can lather it up with some greasy grace if we want to. But that's what Yeshua said. If you don't forgive other people, Yahweh will not forgive you. Now I feel much more comfortable taking that for how Yeshua said it. It's not hard to understand. If we want to be forgiven by Yahweh, 
have to forgive our neighbor if we want a communication and a relationship with Yahweh. We've got to make amends with our neighbors. Yahweh has forgiven you of so much, hasn't He? So much. How then can you not extend that forgiveness to your neighbor? Matthew chapter 18, same Gospel. Let's close with this. Matthew 18, 21-22 Then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how many times could my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? Now there was another occasion in the Gospel of Luke chapter 17. You can read this in your Bible study. In Luke 17, Yeshua says that, and I'll, I'll use me and Brother Ron, whoever sits on the front gets in my illustrations. Yeshua says that if me and Brother Ron are with each other doing our daily chores, doing our daily needs, and Brother Ron does something wrong to me or I do something wrong to Brother Ron, but then we turn around and say, I'm sorry, please forgive me, that you have to forgive him. And then Yeshua says, and if your brother sins against you seven times in one day, but turns to repent each time, then you must say, I forgive you. Seven times? So Peter here, probably remembering what Yeshua talked about there, as recorded by Luke, Peter says, how many times could my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Notice, it's a brother that sins against him. Us brothers and sisters, we still sin against people. He says, seven times? As many as seven times? Then time eight comes up and I don't have to forgive him anymore. I tell you, Yeshua says, verse 22, not as many as seven, but 70 times seven. That's 490 times. And I don't think Yeshua is saying to take your notepad out and tally up 490 times. And then on the 491st time, you say, it's too late. I think what Yeshua is doing is using Hebraic numerology about perfection and completion. And He's saying, as long as your brother is coming to you and asking you for forgiveness, then you forgive him. And that's because... And you know this. Don't deny it. You know this. How many times you've sinned against Yahweh? It's a lot more than 490. Somebody told me one time, said, I'm thankful God is the God of second chances. I said, we done wore out that second chance so many times it ain't even funny. I'm thankful He's the God of a million chances. He's loving like that. That when we come to Him in genuineness, in brokenness, and in humility, asking Him to forgive us, making an effort to please Him, He'll forgive us all over again. He's a loving, mighty one. Let me say something here. When is the last time that you asked somebody to forgive you? When's the last time you asked somebody to forgive you? Now you might think to yourself, well, I don't ever do anything wrong to anybody. I don't need to ask anybody to forgive me. And that is a boastful attitude. That is part of your fleshly nature. If you think that, you need to think harder. A humble person is a person who asks for forgiveness over the smallest of things. Make it a point to be sensitive to your own sin and to be mindful of how you affect other people around you. Sometimes in a broken or a torn relationship, all a person needs, the person that's been done wrong, all that person needs is to have the one who sinned against them humbly come to them and say, I am so sorry for what I've done. Please forgive me. 
It is not a sign of weakness. It is a sign of strength. And let me say this too while I'm on the subject. If I wronged you, please forgive me. Or if there's anything I've done to hurt you, forgive me is not an apology. If I hurt Brother Ron, I need to own up to it and say, Brother Ron, I was too crass. I didn't mean to say that like that. Please forgive me. I shouldn't have said that. Our flesh gets in the way because we want to save face and we don't want to fully admit that we did somebody wrong. And it might be a two-way street. There might be instances where two people both did wrong to each other and you're waiting on somebody else to give you the apology, be the bigger person and say, I'm sorry. And a lot of times when you do that, you know what will happen. The other person will break and they'll say, I'm sorry too. And there will be genuine forgiveness. And that relationship that was torn and broken will be back together again. Now, I want to end the sermon with a parable that comes just after what we read in Matthew 18. And I want to read this. It's Matthew 18, verses 23 through 35. This comes right after Yeshua says, I don't say seven times. I say 490 times. Completion, perfection. 70 times seven. Verse 23, He says, For this reason, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. When this king began to settle accounts, one servant owed him 10,000 talents. There's a footnote in my Bible that says one talent is equal to 6,000 denarii. 6,000 coins, one talent. This servant owed the king 10,000 talents. The contemporary English Bible, I think it was, I read today, or the Good News Bible said the servant owed the king millions of dollars. I owe somebody 10 bucks, I can pay it back pretty easy. If I owe somebody millions of dollars, that's difficult. Almost undoable, if not undoable. Well, this servant that owed the king 10,000 talents was brought to the king. And since he had no way to pay it back, his master commanded that he, his wife, his children, and everything he had be sold to pay the debt. At this, the servant fell face down before the king. Notice humility. He bowed down, face down to the king. And he said, O king, be patient with me and I will pay you everything. Then the master of that servant had compassion, released him and forgave him the loan. He forgave him 10,000 talents. 6,000 denarii times 10,000. But the servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him 100 denarii, which is way less than even one talent. So now he goes to one of his fellow laborers, his fellow servants, and he says, you owe me 100 denarii. And he grabbed him and he started choking him. And he said, pay me what you owe. Give me my hundred dollars. At this, his fellow servant fell down and began to beg him, be patient with me and I will pay you back. But he wasn't willing. On the contrary, he went and threw him into prison until he could pay what was owed. When the other servants saw what had taken place, they were deeply distressed and went and reported to their master everything that had happened. Then after he had summoned him, his master said to him, You wicked servant! I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. 
Shouldn't you also have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And his master got angry and handed him over to the jailers until he could pay everything that was owed. Yeshua ends by saying this, So my heavenly Father will also do to you if each of you does not forgive his brother from his heart. That parable is all about that if we don't forgive our neighbors when they ask us for forgiveness, that Yahweh will not forgive us. I would hate to be standing at the judgment before Yahweh and He says, I cannot let you in because you weren't a forgiving man or woman. Think about it, brothers and sisters. I'll talk more about this next week. I'm getting a little bit deeper section on this particular forgiveness aspect um, as well as the next line in the prayer that says lead us not into temptation but deliver us from the evil one so I hope and pray this has been a blessing I really enjoyed Brother Jerry's and TJ's teaching last week I gathered many nuggets from both of those teachings I'm excited to be back teaching this week and we'll continue this Lord's Prayer the next two Sabbaths may Yahweh richly bless you Shalom